Hello and thanks again for tuning into the Reptile Living Room. I'm your host as always, John F. Taylor, and of course we are brought to you by the wonderful, wonderful magazine known as Herpeticulture House E-Zine. That's Herpeticulture House E-Zine. You can find it at herphousemag.com. Yes, of course, I am that producer of that magazine as well, but I depend on a numerous um, cast of characters and authors to produce that magazine, one of which we are going to interview today. Uh, she writes the column Tales and, uh, Tales and Trails for us. Uh, that's none other than Melissa Coakley. And in today's interview, we're kind of getting down into a subject that's not really talked about, probably for good reason, because the women would uh, basically take over and kill us, all of us men. And it's kind of ironic, because what we're doing today is we're talking to a number of women about you know, what it's like to be a woman in her pediculture, but more in-depth than that, I wanted to find out, you know, is there really a misogynistic effect when coming into the industry, whether it be herpeticulture or herpetology? And so far, um, <clears throat> we've talked to Melissa Coakley, uh, who you're going to hear today. We've talked to Marsha McGinnis, which some of you may be familiar with from Golden Gate Geckos. Julie Bergman from Gecko Ranch is here with us. Uh, Sarah Vernum from Wandering Herpetologist is here. Christine uh, Wiley, sorry, Kristen Wiley from uh, Kentucky Reptile Zoo is going to be on. And we're going to have even more more uh, females than that uh, coming aboard to help us out with these interviews. So, uh, without further ado, we're going to talk to Melissa Coakley first. And uh, here she is, Melissa Coakley, snakehuntingchick.com. So today we're online with Melissa Coakley. And basically, Melissa, you're going to be kicking off our Women of her uh, Herpetology and Herpeticulture. Uh, series, which, you know, it's kind of ironic, really, that I'd be doing the interview, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I've noticed some, um, I guess, misogynistic tendencies within the industry, just interviewing, you know, a few, few of the ladies within the industry that are uh, respected and trusted. Um, so tell us, how did, you, how did you first discover your interest in reptiles in the first place, I guess? Uh, well, believe it or not, it actually happened here in Florida. Um, when I was a little kid, we would come down to visit my mother's brother, so my uncle, who lived here in Florida, uh, and that's coming down from Massachusetts, and I would see all these lizards running around, and uh, my, my aunt would tell me, don't touch those, they're poisonous chameleons. You know, they're, they're poisonous chameleons, that's kind of what the local Floridians uh, at the time in the, you know, mid-80s, I guess, would call these anoles that you see running around, poisonous chameleons. So, of course, that sort of uh, heightened my interest even more. I have to get these. I have to see them and, and touch them. Um, and that's when it sort of started. When I got home, I would kind of, you know, bugging my parents. Can I have this? Can I have that? You know, how about just a turtle? How about something? And they were never, never, ever okay with it. Um, so, I mean, in high school, I had a... Uh, a lizard that I kept at a friend's house, you know, but because it, it wasn't allowed to be kept at my house. So then when I moved down here in Florida on my own, uh, the hobby kind of spun out of control <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so. Okay, so, so your family uh, and loved ones were basically, was it that they didn't like the animals, or was it they didn't um, understand? So, what do you think it was? Well, you know, believe it or not, my mother is deathly afraid of snakes to this day. Okay. Yeah, she, um... When she comes over, you know, she's, she doesn't want to go in certain rooms, and now, unfortunately, uh, there are no rooms. <laughs> they don't have some kind of reptile in it, so... Right, right. Um, and my dad isn't interested either. They're just, you know, they're, they just don't care. And it's so weird because it's so exciting to me. 
Um, My brother, a few years ago, four or five years ago, came over with his his girlfriend, who's now his wife, and uh, he took out my Mexican black king snake, and he fell in love with that snake. (laughs) And uh, Chrissy, his his wife now, is like, no way, we're not getting a snake. And I'm like, oh, man, (laughs) the cycle repeats, you know? (laughs) Too funny. Now, um, when you first got into reptiles, did you encounter any challenges that you feel were a direct result of your gender? You know, I really, I don't think I noticed anything at first. Okay. Um, I think for me, it's been more, uh, interestingly enough, in the field herping aspect. Because, really? um, like, I joined, I joined my local field, I mean, my local uh, reptile club. Okay. And in our club, which uh, is run by, you know, president, vice president, secretary, all that, right. the, the four main members, the four main board members are all women. So um, that was, you know, I'm now the president. I took that over a couple years ago. But when I first joined that club, it was really kind of comfortable because there were so many women um, standing up at the beginning of the meetings and kind of everybody was just on the same page. Oh, okay. Right? But for me, I guess when I say with field herping, it's been more of a challenge because, um, you know, we'll go out with groups of people, like from, you know, different forums online that we don't know, Mm -hmm. and uh, Bill and I, and... You know, a lot of times I feel like I have to kind of prove that I do actually like this, that I'm not just there, you know, trying to babysit my boyfriend or something like that. Um, Because there's a little bit of a challenge kind of like, oh, you know, I think I told you this one time, one of the guys I mentioned that came in lizard, and he was like, are you sure you're not thinking of a gecko? And I was like, man, you know, I don't think he would have said that to a guy. Right, right. So, yeah, but then once you do, I think once you kind of establish that you're really into it, mm-hmm. um, it you, you, you know, you're fine. You, you kind of get that, um, like you're in and they're, you know, they're fine with you. Oh, okay. Oh. All right. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, I guess, is, you know, it's funny to think about, like, why anybody who isn't really into field herping would want to pretend or, you know, <laughs> because it's really not a very glamorous thing. No, it's um, definitely not glamorous. No. <laughs> and I can't even imagine that in Florida that it would be any more so glamorous being in swamps and. You know, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think of a specific in, uh, instance. A couple of years ago, Bill and three of his friends and myself uh, piled into a, a large van and we drove across, across country. And it was a 10 day trip. So it was me <laughs> with four men stuck in a van. Uh, <laughs> you know, we stopped at a hotel twice during that entire 10 days. So you can see, you know, it's not really uh, something that, you know, I'm going to do just because you, know, you have to really love it, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> Definitely. Now, because you, you've traveled out, out outside of the country, too, and done field herping as well. Have you noticed any uh, differences in the areas, you know, how, pe- how people would treat you, you know, uh, based on your gender in other countries at all? Um, well, the first big group trip that I did was Costa Rica, mm-hmm. and uh, I was uh, on that trip, uh, the, it was like 10 of us on the trip, and it was all guys except one guy had brought his girlfriend, and so they were kind of telling me, oh, you're, you know, the first single female we've had on this trip, and, you know, so they were kind of doing, doing that stuff, and I did, I did take a little bit of um, kind of a razzing almost from some of the guys that had been on the trip previously. Oh, I see. Uh, where, you know, there was an iguana that lived in the sort of like sewer right in front of the rooms that we were staying in. Right. And they would give us uh, fresh fruit in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I would bring this iguana over fruit and try to make friends with him and try to like get him to eat out of my hands. And they were like, you're crazy. 
you don't know what you're doing, that thing's going to rip your arm off. And I was like, well, you know, we'll see. And then, of course, I have pictures towards the end of the trip of, of the Yukon actually taking the fruit right out of my hand. So <laughs> that was kind of a cool thing for me to be like, look, you know, I do know what I'm doing. But um, I haven't really, you know, I've done um, Peru and Costa Rica and stuff, and everybody's always been really, really awesome. Okay. Very cool. So, I think the hardest thing is, mm-hmm. it's, uh, with the hobby in general, um, you know, people that have known Bill a long time, that oh. come over to our home, um, they'll, they'll, they'll often say, like, wow, you took to Bill's hobby really well, or, or you don't mind all these snakes in the house, and it's like, man, half of those are mine, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> So, well, yeah, I think that's... My next question is, you know, within the community, uh, do you think there is a, a definitive uh, gender bias? Uh, I think I think there's a little bit, but I think it's changing. I think that if this were, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, right. um, it probably would have been a lot harder of an environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember reading something in uh, in Reptiles. Uh, they did a they, they had taken a poll of their readers. I think this was like two years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had, it was something around 66% and 34%. So 66% male readership and 34 And I think, well, you know, go back 10 years, those numbers probably would have been very different. Right, right. Very definitely. Now, have, yeah. you, have you experienced any um, gender bias when it comes to suppliers or even vendors for um, things of that nature? Oh, man, the worst, worst, worst. Okay. So um, with the Reptile Club, we do an auction every year. And uh, part of of the auction, of course, is getting stuff, right? Getting stuff to auction off. So um, last year I took it upon myself to go around to all the vendors at one of the reptile shows and, you know, beg and plead to uh, help help support the Reptile Club. And uh, one of the vendors that was selling, you know, crickets and mealworms, I, I went over and talked to him, and he was just awful. He was so awful, like basically telling me that I should be watching his table and that I shouldn't be walking around, that I didn't know what I was talking about. And then, um, wow. you know, it, yeah, uh, at the end of the show, I actually needed uh, some, some mealworms. We, we breed mealworms, but we just we go through them a lot, so I needed to get some mealworms, and he was the only guy there, so I went to buy some, sure. walked back to my table with them, and then I looked a little closer, and I was like, oh, you know, he gave me superworms. I didn't want superworms. So I go back over to him, and uh, I'm like, look, you, you gave me superworms. And he's like, it's just like a woman to not know what she wants. And, you know, he just went on and on. Oh. And, uh, yeah, so that was kind of, uh, it, was, it was pretty rough. Bill, Bill was like, you're not going to go around asking people for donations anymore. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, I can handle it. I've got thick skin. So wow. that's amazing. Yeah, that no. guy was not very nice. No, just out of curiosity, was this an older gentleman that had been in the industry for a long time? Um, yeah, no? yeah, he was. He was. I, I didn't know him. He doesn't. It's not anybody with like a really, you know, well-known name. Right. right. But uh, you could tell that he, you know, this has been his business. He's been doing this for a long time. Right. So. Gosh, that's so bizarre. That's wow, wow. <laughs> now you said you do see a change coming around. How do you? Um, how would you explain that change? Do you think there's just more <clears throat> more women getting into the industry or community, I should say? Or do you think that there's been a struggle uh, as far as against gender bias to get into the community as far as a woman's concerned? 
I think maybe it has to do with, um, you know, I guess it's not as much of an underground hobby anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's, there's publications and there's books and there's people doing talks and there's, there's so much out there. You can, you know, they do the teaching and people bring their snakes and it's just there's so many more avenues to right. get little minds, you know, aware. To make, right. to make little minds aware that this stuff is out here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of good things happening. I, I kind of think of it, and I think I've told you this before, when I was a kid, I was always into, like, the real, you know, hard music, real, like, metal and playing guitar and stuff like that. And I'd go into the music stores, and it was... I felt very alien. I felt really weird, you know, buying these, like, metal albums or walking through a guitar store. Right. Now, if you go into a guitar store... As a woman, it's totally normal. Like, no one even, like, looks twice or, you know, right. it's just a normal thing. So I think, I hope that it's kind of more like that, where it's just sort of becoming like, oh, here's a girl with snakes, cool. Here's a guy with snakes, okay. Right, right. But, you know, the thing that I think about and I wonder, you know, fear of snakes, fear of reptiles, I wonder how across the board that is. Is it, because there's so many men that I run into that are like, oh, God, you deal with snakes, you deal with, you know, that's terrible. I wouldn't want to touch that. So I don't know, you know, I think previously it might have been more, uh, people might have been more apt to think that the fear aspect belongs solely to women. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I think that there are a lot of, a lot of guys out there that are kind of, you know, not so comfortable around our scaly friends. Right. So, yeah, no, I, want, I always wonder where that sort of, you know, demarcation is. Yeah, that would be interesting to know. <clears throat> as far as, you know, it's like who fears snakes more? Yeah, right. Yeah, that would be really interesting to know. Because I actually ran a series on the reptile living room as far as, uh, you know, talking about the fear of snakes and that kind of thing. Huh. That's something I'll have to investigate now. Yes, (laughs) not to give you more work, right? That's interesting. I haven't thought about that yet. (laughs) Now, um, so what do you see in the next 10 years for for the community? see it growing or well it's you know with all the legislation and the issues that we're dealing with now it's 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 so frightening almost to think about uh 10 years from now mm-hmm. but uh I, i'm hoping for good things i'm hoping it keeps growing it, we need we need this hobby the animals need this hobby because you know i think about how unfortunate it is that these you know special interest groups that were um kind of fighting against how, how, how awful it is that what we should be doing is we should be working together in conservation efforts. You know, like, if, you're, if, if your uh, purpose is that you want to, you know, protect wildlife and conserve wildlife, people who know how to <laughs> take care of them and know how to teach and educate others uh, should be your best friends, right? And so, like, years ago, you would see we would raise money in the hobby, you know, the National Reptile Breeders Expo in Daytona, they'd have different things like the Beaded Lizard and, you know, Coast Freaking Frogs and all these different charities for all the auction money to go to. In the past, you know, like five years, it's just been U.S. ARC. You know, so instead of helping to conserve, we're just fighting for our rights. So money that would go to, you know, doing things that you'd think these special interest, you know, things would want. They, uh, they'd want conservation. They'd want money to go. Instead, we're just fighting so um, it's scary to think about the future, and, and, and the only way I think we're going to have a future, you know, men, women, all of us, we're going to have to kind of hold hands <laughs> and fight this together, you know, kind of yeah. have to unify. Yeah, and that's one of the biggest things, you know, is I hear a lot of, you know, people running their mouth about, you know, well, USARC's not doing enough, 
or, you know, so-and-so's not doing this, so-and-so's not doing that. And it's like, okay, what are you doing? Right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, U.S. ARC is all we got. Right, and this is why I, I, you know, get on people so much, join your reptile club. <laughs> like, oh you know, God. if you can't do anything else, just get involved with the club. Well, Melissa, you know what's really interesting is I actually ran a, poll, uh, a quick survey uh, when we first started reptileapartment.com, and 67% of reptile owners are not part of a reptile club. Yeah, I'm, I'm so not surprised. I mean, we have the uh, Repticon puts on the shows here in, in, in Florida, mm -hmm. and they do a couple a year in Tampa, Orlando, Sarasota, which is all kind of like an hour, an hour and a half, you know, distance. Sure. So we try to go to all of those, and it's it's crowds, like major crowds coming through, and yeah. it's like, man, why is it that all these people are coming out that are involved in buying reptiles, but we get the same, you know, 20 people showing up at our right. reptile club meetings, right. you know? So and we try to we try to do things. We, we um, have a table at all the shows with handouts, talking about the field trips and all you know all these great things we do. But people just aren't involved. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So yeah, that's I don't know how to change that. <laughs> yeah, that's something you know. Uh, it seems like there's a few people that are working for that, and then it seems like everybody else is just kind of ignoring it. So I'm kind of stuck with that too. Yeah, it's the best thing I ever did was join my reptile club because before that, it's like you know, you, you don't really have any friends to uh, talk herp about, and you know, your other friends get tired of hearing about your snakes. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah, trying to talk, to, you know, and that's something that you know my coworkers at my day job, um, you know, they're just like, dude, really? No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, right. Shut up. Here's a corner. You just stand there and just. Yeah, don't, because <laughs> they were trying, they would, somebody had asked, you know, what was the largest, you know, largest uh, snake fangs, and, you know, immediately I was like, oh, it's the Kaboom Viper, and they're like, how the hell do you know that, <laughs> you know, and I said, yeah, they're about two and three quarter inches long, you know, they started naming out the venom, and they're just like, okay, stop, stop, <laughs> you know, how it breaks down the tissue, you know, the whole nine yards, and, yeah, and so, <laughs> well, listen, um, <clears throat> I want to let you get back to your uh, million one animals I know that you have over there. Now, what, um, as far as the python band goes, because I know this affects you personally because we've talked about it. Um, so basically, you can't leave the state of Florida now. Yeah, not with... Uh, well, not, well, well, not with your snakes anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I have one berm that I'm permitted to have. Um, we've got a bunch of boas, like... You know, ridiculous amount of boas. Bill has a green anaconda, so we're you know we're kind of nervous about what comes next. I, I'm not totally planning to leave Florida, but uh, I do finish school this semester, and I'm trying to go on the market for you know a full-time academic job, uh, which kind of means you know if I want that, I'll have to leave the state. So now it's sort of like okay, I worked so hard all these years to get this degree, um, but now I you know I'm going to be limited to where I go. So it's, right. it's tough. I did. The funny thing is, I, I called and called. I've been, I've been bugging everybody who will answer their phone. And <laughs> right. uh, Senator Nelson, um, I, I got in touch with one of his aides, oh, and she really? basically told me, um, she was like, "Well, Senator Nelson started this whole thing originally, but he was not for it when it came back up. You know, so you guys don't have to be." I tried to invite him out to our reptile club. Actually, that was my whole angle. Like, you know, you get these ideas that these reptile people are all you know, sort of on the fringe of society, um, come out and see that we're not, you know, come out and see the kind of people in your, you know, in, in your state that keep reptiles. 
But anyway, she told me after complaining and pl- complaining about not being able to leave, because I don't understand why we can't take our snakes with us, you know, right, right. if the problem is here in Florida, you think they'd want the snakes to go. Um, she said that I should be talking to U.S. Fish and Wildlife to try to get them to uh, issue a permit. Mm-hmm. But I think at that point she was just trying to get me off the phone, right. you know. So, yeah, it's it's tough. It's You know, I hope the momentum stays. I hope we continue to feel... Uh, sort of this this agitated over it and not just kind of fade away with it. Right, right, very definitely. Now, um, <clears throat> I would like to uh, have you mention your website, and that's uh, snakehuntingchick.com? Yeah. Yes, com. and basically what it is is uh, I haven't been able to update it a, as much as I want to. I have a lot of ideas, mm-hmm. you know, going forward, but for right now it's a blog um, with a lot of field prepping photos and you know, some equipment review, if you're looking for the right kind of flashlight um, or camera or, you know, stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, it's a good place to check out what I've used and what's worked in the field in different, you know, sort of environments. But uh, I put pictures up from everywhere that we go, and we've got a lot of big trips coming up. We've got uh, Texas in April and then Costa Rica in May, so Very we should cool. have some, some really good uh, photos up there soon. Very cool. All right, well, I'm going to let you get back to your uh, uh, reptile adventures over there, and I'm sure we'll be in touch again uh, very soon. And uh, just for our listeners, in case you're unfamiliar, uh, Melissa also writes uh, the Tales and Trails column for her Pentecultural House easing, so all of our subscribers, now you know uh, a little bit more about Melissa and what else she's doing out there in the world. She doesn't just chase snakes in the field and, you know, clean snakes and teach philosophy. You know, she's... <laughs> You're starting to sound like me, Melissa. This is kind of worrying me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, so there you have it. That was Melissa Coakley, and we were just speaking about uh, the women of herpetoculture and herpetology and the misogyny that happens within the environment there, uh, within both environments, really. Uh, Melissa's experiences were more in the field herping aspect, but... Uh, in upcoming episodes, we're going to talk to a, a couple of herpetologists, uh, more herpeticulturists, of course, and uh, we'll really examine this and get in depth with what's, uh, you know, how hard it is to be a woman in the community. And uh, once again, we are brought to you by Herpeticulture House Magazine. Uh, that's herphousemag.com. I'll put a link in the show notes, and of course, I'll put a link over in the show notes too for Melissa's website. And uh, with that, we're going to sign off. And next up, we're going to bring you Marsha McGinnis from Golden Gate Geckos in the next episode of the Women of Herpeticulture and uh, Herpetology or Women of Herpetology and Herpeticulture, however you want to put it. All right. Thank you again for tuning into the Reptile Living Room. I am your host, as always, John F. Taylor, and you folks have a wonderful, wonderful day. Mm-hmm.